Well, except for you, Dexter, because you're driving now. You close your eyes, bow your head. Lord God, we want to thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment, Lord. We want to uh, ask that you cover us during this Bible study, Lord. Just open our uh, open our spirits, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds. And send your Holy Spirit, Lord. Send your Holy Ghost to uh, fill us in those areas, Lord, to feel what we need to hear, feel what we need to feel, think what we need to think, Lord, to not only receive more of you, God, but to understand more of you, God, and be able to relate. Uh, what you give us, Lord, to bless uh, not only everybody that's on this call, Lord, but those who may also listen, Lord God. I just pray that you continue to guide us during this time, direct our steps, continue to send your angels concerning us, Lord. Just continue to uh, love us as we love you, Lord God, as we try to understand more of you and build our relationship with you, God. God, I uh, thank you again for this time, and we love you. This We ask and pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... Uh, last time we, uh, I don't know if you watched the video, Dexter, but last time we talked about uh, the importance of feeding your mind and your spirit, uh, certain words of scripture and um, just uh, not not feeding your spirit like junk food. So uh, I, I know I also touched on, uh, we also touched on how junk food, even for our physical, for our physical bodies, for example, junk food, uh, provide certain nutrients it does like give us something but there's no foundation like you know we're just all constantly going to keep going for more junk food but actual superfoods or healthy foods build our foundation and builds us up uh towards being healthy and that's the same outlook we should have for our spirits and so that was like the the diet quote-unquote portion of god's personal uh training program for our lives and so now um we want to dive into the, the workout portion, the training and discipline portion. Uh, oh, the first scripture is First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Did anybody want to read that? I, can't. I, got it. I got it. I got it. First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Yes. This from the NLT version. Don't you realize that in the race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Training get to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So it really says, you know, it's really saying a lot in that, uh, in those scriptures. And so there's, I got a couple of things from it, but I did want to ask a question to you guys. So, uh we we uh we grow in mind and spirit for a particular goal and so uh of course the main goal of course should be jesus but i guess like uh while we're building our relationship with god we're trying to understand more the word we do set like i guess certain goals you know i want to fast with more purpose you know i want to read the bible every day you know i want i want to pray morning and night you know things like that so like what is our goal i ask for you guys like what are your goals in in your current season right now Hold on one second. Let you go. All right. So my goal, my goal in my spiritual life, I've said it once. I've said it a million times. Like first and foremost, I want to be a servant to everybody. Like I don't want to be selfish. I just want to be. I don't. I don't want to sound churchy, but at the same time, like my goal is to be a vessel. My goal is so 
God can use me to touch the next person. My goal is so that like maybe I'll live a life that somebody will see and be like, oh, he a, he a real he a real Christian, you know, but he not holier than now. He not too churchy, so maybe it's not so bad actually being a Christian. So like that's my first my first goal, and my second goal is to just be bold in everything I do. Be bold in Christ, mm-hmm. you know. Like D'Angelo said, I just want to be bold. I don't want to be afraid to show who I am. I don't want to be afraid to pray out in public. I don't want to be afraid to give everybody this Jesus, like Larche said. But like, right. you know what I'm saying? I just want to be bold so that I can show other people my lifestyle and hopefully bring more people to Christ. Okay. Yeah, I feel like we need to get that on a on a shirt to be a bold Christian. Cause we use it like every every Bible <laughs> every Bible says you can go and get on the shirt. But um, Dexter, what about you? My bad, I, I slick. I did mute you because your uh, it was a lot of background noise. Is, is it still a lot of background noise? Because I switched to my no. headset. That was still, yeah, not even. Yeah, it's better. Okay, all right. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know why I didn't think to uh, think that it would be background noise with me driving. So I apologize for that. Okay. But um, my uh. Again, you know, my, my spiritual uh, goals are kind of similar to David's, you know. I just want to um, develop, you know, cultivate a relationship with the Lord. So that way, like, I'm living and, you know, I'm walking in, um, you know, my Christianity and, you know, walking in my faith. And that way people can see me doing it. And so they'll want to be like, okay, well, you know, I know how Dexter used to be. I know, you know, what he used to be like. But now I see, like, he's completely different. Like, he's not doing those old things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um so he's made a real change and if he can make a real change then i can make a real change too and i can live like um you know i can live a life you know a christ-based a, a faith-based life and a life you know centered on christ as well um and, you know that's that's what i pray for like when i do my nightly prayers it's one of the things i pray for that like you know certain people you know i won't name any names on the video but like certain people that are in our spirit of influence you know as alphas and their other mutual friends that we have like you know i pray for those people by name that like you know they'll want to um they'll want to pursue relationships with Christ and like, you know, get into reading the word and going to church and things like that. And I'm pretty sure y'all know who I'm, the people I'm alluding to, but, you know, I yeah. pray that, you know, I will um, get such a in my faith and my walk with the Lord that they'll be able to see it. And then they'll be like, well, I can do it too. So. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's good too. Like, uh, I guess for me, uh, those are certain goals of mine as well, but I, I, I think for me as well, it's uh, my, uh, I don't know if I call it desires or just, uh, I want to make sure that everything that I do, I, I align it to the God, like everything I do, like I want to try to make sure um, that everything that I'm thinking about, like I'm like, okay, uh, is this aligned with God's purpose for my life, you know, and just like more so thinking more on like not just living to live, but living with a purpose, you know, and so I just want to, uh, my goal is to make sure that, uh, just like you all said, like my Christian walk, I'm walking into the best of my ability, you know, uh, and not being ashamed to talk about it, you know, because that's one thing like I keep quiet. When I be in the shame to talk about it or to, you know, share or whatever the case may be, and so uh, just breaking out that comfort zone, you know, it's my goal to be able just to uh, walk in a, a lobby at the fitness and just talk about Jesus like that. I would probably never do that. Elisha did it with ease, you know, he didn't care. So it's like, okay, I want to get to that point where it's like, 
it, it, I don't, it doesn't matter like what I, what like the situation is or where I'm at, like just being able just to talk about it comfortably. Though like I you know, just, just breaking up that, that comfort zone for me, for, for, for Jesus and for God is like I want my man to for right now for the season. Um uh, but okay, uh, other than that, uh, I think uh, the scripture is pointing out that we should we should live life with a goal or with a direction. We shouldn't just live to live, but we should have a certain goal or a certain purpose or a certain direction, and not just doing it to like, like you said, like not to shadow box. You know, not living my life shadow boxing, and you know, just doing it for no reason, but having a reason for it. Um, and another thing I wanted to point out too that I thought was pretty cool. Well, pretty interesting. It says, or at least in the Amplified version, it says, strictly discipline my body and making my slave, which I think is a control of mine. But it says uh, right here, so that when I'm preaching to others, or basically just spreading the word of God, I myself will not somehow be disqualified as unfit for service. You know, how can we, how can we be disqualified as unfit for service? Oh, what's up, Jamal? What's going on, man? What's going on, y'all? Man, nothing much, man. Uh, we're at First uh, Corinthians nine twenty four through twenty seven. Okay, cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, how can we be disqualified as like unfit for service? Like, how can we disqualify ourselves for like fulfilling God's purpose in our lives? All right, God, I thought that was pretty interesting when it, when they when they said that. Well, Paul said that. If anyone may know. Or have an idea. But uh, I think one of my one of the things I thought about when it came to that, like uh, being disqualified as unfit for service, is if we're if we are preaching or if we are teaching, I, I don't remember what scripture it is, but there's a scripture that talks about how teachers or uh, preachers, I think it just teaches uh they are judged more strictly. You know, we uh, if you're teaching the word of God or if you're preaching the word of God, you're you're judged more strictly, like um, because you're you're feeding God's children. So if you're not feeding God's children the right information, or if you're not you know disciplined or trained in what you're teaching, and it ends up being false information, there the people you're teaching like and they do wrong. It like it won't be as bad as it for them as it would be for you because you led them down that direction. You know, so that's that's what I, I feel like that meant when I read that. Yeah, I I agree. We have to be we have to walk a life more like God if we especially if we, we plan on bringing God's word in, you know, bringing people closer to him. We have to fit that mold and so that he can better use us, because I mean, God is His wisdom is so outstanding that He's not gonna just allow anybody to come in and preach preach His word and nothing happens. There's no consequence or anything like that. So you have to be, and I mean, we see this a lot of times with preachers and different people bringing the word and find out, you know, they're not living it. You have to live it. You have to walk it daily. You have to eat that bread daily. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's essential. You can't just, I mean, and, and the Bible speaks heavily against false prophets, you know, and their, their kind of, their destiny at the end. You have to live a life 
that's pleasing if you're trying to bring people closer to God. Like, yeah. Take it a step farther, though. Like, Paul is using a metaphor. He's using an analogy, illustrating, like, um, if you're an athlete, you got to train your body. And so I got to train my body, too. Otherwise, when the race over, I'm going to be disqualified. And so I think of it like, yeah, like he's a he the coach, right? He he presented himself like I'm the coach, getting ready. But like in this instance, Paul still has to run the race too. It ain't like he just gets a coach and then there's it like I did my job, I coached you, I didn't you run the race, boom, bam, bop. You know what I'm saying? Like he still gotta run the race himself. Right, right, right. What he's saying, what I feel like he's saying right now is like I have to keep my body right too. I have to practice what I preach daily too. I can't just tell y'all to do right. And then I go home and I just be like, I'm not praying like I'm supposed to. I'm not fasting like I'm supposed to. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. Instead, I have to do, I have to practice what I preach. And I think y'all had it right. Like preachers will be judged harsher. Um, teachers will be judged harsher. But I think in this specific instance, he just saying like I gotta I gotta stay fit too. Otherwise mm -hmm. I can't work out with you. If I, if I ain't fit, I can't I can't run the race too. And I'm yeah. I, I think it's important that even from a listener standpoint that they stay in tune with God and, and because you have to make sure like if I if I'm, if I'm dwelling in the Word of God and I'm praying I'm living that life, God will give you discernment to kind of give you the deciphering factor between what's real and what's fake. Now, and that that's even from a listener standpoint, you know, you have to make sure you're receiving that right fruit in order to really inhabit God like that. So I, I, I take a step further to say that it's not only on the, the preachers and the, and the priests uh, point to, to make sure they, they stand, stay on point, but I believe it's in, from the listener's perspective as well. Cause you got so many preachers out here just starting churches just off the business factor of things that just right. because they think it's just a business but you know you i believe us as listeners us as people that believe god we have to walk that walk ourselves to give us that discernment on their word so i um want to kind of interject here a little bit so you know i heard a sermon years ago um you know, by a pastor named uh, Brian Luritz, or I guess it's Dr. Brian Luritz now, but, you know, he kind of talked about this, um, you know, he's very careful to warn that not everybody is called to preach and to teach, but he was like, everybody is called to, to witness. So, you know, when the Bible, it, the Bible talks about false preachers and false teachers in different instances, and, you know, just kind of thinking back, reflecting to that sermon, which I won't directly quote anything that he said, because I can't remember it. It's probably been like seven or eight, eight, nine years even at this point, but, um, you know, everybody's not called to preach, but you are called to witness, meaning, you know, if there's a specific aspect in your life where you've overcome something mm -hmm. and, you know, that in that, that specific aspect of your life that brought you closer to the Lord, then you can witness all day to somebody that may be going through that struggle, right? So, like, I think I've said this to, I know I said it to David before, but, like, you know, I'm talking about in the Bible, right? You know, Jesus had a lot of disciples. We typically focus on the 12, but there's also three more disciples that, you know, Jesus kind of, like, you know, told you know, almost everything about his life. They knew more about him than the other disciples. And so, you know, I bring that up to say that, you know, he told them everything, but he didn't tell everybody else everything. So 
when you witness the people, yeah, your testimony is not, it's not for everybody, right? It's not like just for public consumption because that would put you in the light of like a, a preacher, but you can share with people like in, in, in your sphere of influence in smaller groups, you can share with those people something that you've overcome that brought you close to the Lord and you can witness versus you, you know, kind of turning yourself into a teacher or a preacher because, you know, if you, you kind of falter, if you're not truly called to be that preacher or that teacher and you kind of falter and then somebody else looks at your life, you know, they, they start looking at you to the point where, you know, they just kind of follow everything that you do and kind of kind of take their, their word from you and their, their spirituality from what you're doing and what you teach, um, then, you know, that would put you unintentionally in the world of a, of a false preacher or a false teacher. Whereas if you just kind of stick to the things that you have overcome, that you've overcome in your life, and you just witness to people on a smaller scale, then, you know, okay, nobody, that would prevent people from, you know, kind of judging you more harshly because, well, I'm speaking to my experience. I'm speaking to what I've overcome. And, right. you know, you're being transparent with people like, well, no, I'm not a preacher, but, you know, I've overcome this and, you know, I want to share this with you because I feel like somebody may benefit from me sharing this experience versus me turning myself into like a, a full-fledged preacher or a teacher because, you know, then you lead people astray accidentally because, you know, you're, you're walking in such a manner that you feel like you're walking with God, but then, you know, maybe like David said, you're at home, you're not fasting, you're not praying like you're supposed to, and you, you faltered off from the Lord, like, in, very quickly, because it's very easy to do, and then you've led some people astray. So, right. you know, I just wanted to... Yeah, oh, yeah essentially, essentially, you're out of the will of God, right right there. Like, you've already you've already crossed the line, because you, you're not doing what he called mm -hmm. him to. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. Right, so... And I think it's just remembering that, you know, we're not all called to, to preach, but we're all called to witness because we all go through things. We will all have a testimony. We'll have multiple testimonies throughout our lives, but not everybody's necessarily called to preach. Yeah, I totally agree. I think another word that people use is ministers who are not all called to be a pastor or a preacher, but we all are ministers. I think that's another word because uh, you can have different ministries, you know, music, uh, books, poems, you know, there's different ministries that you can, you know, fulfill God's purpose in. So we're all called to minister in a certain sense, and that could be testimony, you know. And we, and we, we went over, I don't know if uh, you was there, Jamal, but we went over, like, the different spiritual gifts that God gives us, you know. And so I feel like we got to use that. Um, but I also agree, just to go back to what uh, David said, I, I do uh, kind of agree with that as far as like what he's saying in this passage too. Uh, just looking at it definitely from what we're, how we're looking at it now, how this is God's personal training program, how what we're looking at now. It's like okay, um, if I'm you know trying to trying to help you with this workout, you know I'm trying to show you how to how to do this and how to do that. Like if I can't do it myself, like how can you really get it? You know like so I. I'm doing this, but I'm disqualified disqualify myself because I'm not even practicing myself. So I definitely agree with that. And there's a, a couple of things that uh, from this passage alone, I believe that was kind of defined, at least to me. And that's, uh, like I said earlier, is the discipline and the training. So discipline, I believe, is, is defined as it's what keeps us on task and keeps us pursuing Jesus and our goals. And training is, is what we actually do to grow in mind and spirit, aiming towards God and our goals given by him. And off of that, uh, we have Hebrews 12, 1 through 17. And, it, and, and of course, I, I have it split up. 
So the first part is uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Uh, and so uh, was there anybody that wanted to read that? Not actually yeah, yeah I, I got you. Okay. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, you said it right. Yeah. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So again, this is uh, kind of, again, playing off that that race analogy that, that, that you know, building uh, yourself up. And this this actually does highlight how our goal should be Jesus, you know, how, how he's our main goal. Uh, building our faith and our relationship with him. Um, and one of the things uh, in the Amplified version, it says, for that verse one, stripping off every unnecessary weight in, in the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Um, so we are to strip every unnecessary weight in sin. Uh, how do we know what is considered an unnecessary weight? You know, so there are necessary weights, but how do we know what's unnecessary? I, I think that that's just a level of discernment that you got to pray for. Like there is, there is no way I wake up one day and I just automatically know, Oh, this is an unnecessary way. I shouldn't be doing this because my flesh, my person, my being is going to be like, I mean, it's just something I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just right. something I'm doing. So you got to pray for that discernment and you got to realize I, back in first Corinthians where it says, you know, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Right. So once you start to realize what those things are that aren't beneficial for you and your walk, what those things are that are slowing you down as you pursuing your walk, as you pursuing your race, then once you start to realize what is slowing you down and you get that discernment from the Lord, you can say, okay, well, this is an unnecessary way. I don't really need this. I don't really need to drink no more, you know. It, right. I don't, I don't need that. I don't really need to hang out with these people no more. I don't, I don't need that. And you will start to figure that out once you pray for that discernment. I totally agree. And I think, I think the biggest, um, the biggest thing is being wrapped in the Holy Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit comes into play because it gives you that just conscientious, just overall knowing, okay, this isn't good for me. It gives you that ability to kind of see what's for you and what's not. No, you can just kind of just, you just know, in, in a sense, though, I believe we all just know, even as kids, we knew what we were doing, if it was right or wrong. We could kind of just can tell, you know, and we were just acting out of the sense of our parents' overall well-being for us. Like, we knew what was wrong and what was right. So once you get that feeling, you act on it. You're like, okay, I don't need this, drop it. It's like a, a, a bad girlfriend or, or something like that. It's somebody or a bad friend, should I say. You know that friend isn't productive to your overall growth. So I need to drop this friend. We know these things. We just have to act on it. God gives us that natural born ability to just act on those things that we don't need. But sometimes though, I don't think it's it's very 
Well, you know what? It may be a natural. Like, you know, of course we get that. But I feel like um, when you're in it, it's hard to see that it's not, like, beneficial for you. You know, like, definitely, like, you had mentioned, like, a bad girlfriend or a bad friendship, you know, but, like, when you're in it or when you've known a person so long, when you've been in it so long, it's like, you know, you're like, well, this is, this is okay, you know, I'm normal, like, I'm okay with this, you know, and the other people may be saying, like, this, you know, other people can see it because they look from the outside in, like, this isn't beneficial for you, this isn't healthy, and then when they come to you, you may get defensive, like, what you talking about, like, don't talk about them like that you know like stuff like that but truly and honestly it's not beneficial and I think it is uh like you said with the Holy Spirit and like David said with discernment we don't receive that until we start renewing our minds or, or cleansing our spirits you know like and just kind of getting rid of the distractions and really like praying like you know because of course like if you're in it like that and, it, and you're you're gonna after a while you're going to feel a sense of either depression or, or purposelessness or you're like you're not happy you know it's going to be something and then you're going to be like okay god what's really going on right you know and so i i, I do want to i did want to mention that too because uh, i think it can be a natural ability but sometimes like you know we have to we gotta learn it like we got to unlock that ability because it's in us. Like you said, it's already in us or it's something that is bestowed upon us, but we have to unlock it. Uh, and I think that's when we start that, that journey or that relationship with God is when we start realizing, you know, what's for us and what's not. But I, I agree. I do agree. Because just like an addiction, you know, it, uh, a bad thing just over, over time just for you becomes a good thing. Like it feels good to get high. It feels good to to be intoxicated this this just feels natural and like you said we have to unlock that ability and, and that's when you overcome those those tribulations and those trials you know i agree both. i mean I, I i like to think about it like this so like in my bible i have a, a every man's bible and it has like different personal testimonies so there's one in there that i came across not too long ago when i was doing like my own personal bible study and it was from uh, tony dungy he said he was talking about how um, you know, he was vetted to be, um, I forget, a part of some team or something like that. Basically, when uh, President Obama was becoming a president, he was vetted because um, he was going to be a part of some initiative or something like that the president was doing. And one of the questions they asked him when they were vetting him was, you know, is there anything that if we search into your history or your past, your associations, any organization that you're a part of um, that would embarrass the president? So, you know, he, he gave that personal anecdote and then he thought and then he expanded on it he was like you know when we sin or when we have like you know um unnecessary sin in our life he was like you know you will find that um it's something that you're you're hiding from some other part of your life meaning you know mm -hmm. that association with that person or that activity that you're doing like it's something that you're you're hiding like you know would you would you want your grandmother to see it you know right, right. you want all be vetted by the president you know to be on some initiative or anything like that but would you want your grandmother to see you doing that would you want your wife to know you were doing that would you want this person your employer whoever to see that you're doing that and if it's something that you're doing if it's an association or an activity or something that you're doing and it's it's somebody some person somewhere that you wouldn't want to see that then you know that right there is you know an, an unnecessary sin because you you have to hide it or you're you have some shame about it because you know, if you think about it, whenever you're sinning, there's some degree of shame that goes along with that. And you're like, man, I don't really want people to see this because, you know, we don't, I mean, largely we don't sin out in the open, you know, there's some degree of secrecy to it. So, you know, yeah. I think kind of that unnecessary sin is, 
Okay, so I'm doing this activity. I'm hanging out with this person. Is there anybody or is there anything, you know, in the future, anybody else in my life, any other aspect of my life where I would be ashamed or I'd be embarrassed if people saw me with this person or saw me doing this? And if the answer is yes, then, you know, I feel like that's something that you, you know, you shouldn't be doing necessarily because, you know, it's, you're embarrassed by it in some aspect of your life. Um, and I, and I agree with that too. And one thing that I had, uh, one of the things I got from like considering what's unnecessary other than all those things is that, um, especially like, okay, let's say like now, so we're, uh, you know, we're on this Bible study. We're all at a certain point, unlocked a certain ability within God because we, we develop a certain relationship with God. We're not like totally lost or we're not like backslidden all the way we're like kind of moving forward and then towards God and Jesus and so uh as, as David said you know certain discernment that we need to pray for to receive like those little unnecessary ways that's in our blind spots but one thing that I that came to me is that if you're if you're building a relationship with God you're building a relationship with Jesus and there's like that one thing or that uh, is something that's like distracting you or keeping you from at least doing what you know you're supposed to be doing or doing uh or or doing something that builds your relationship like let's say for instance uh um let's say for instance okay you're praying for something you're you're praying for god to help you with your finances you know you're worried a little bit more about your finances and you're praying about it and um you don't really know exactly how to get to it and so a couple of things that come up it's like you know what you don't really need the extra Netflix and Hulu and all that. You don't need cable right now. You don't need this, that, or the other. And that is something that you won't see and think that's an unnecessary weight, but that it, it's it's keeping you from receiving maybe what you're supposed to be receiving from God. And you know, that's something hard to give up. It's like, what give up Hulu, give up Netflix, that 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 takes away money out of, you know, out of what I, you know, what I'm trying to build. I don't know. Like that ain't really hurting me because, you know, it's it's not a and I think that's why it says weight and sin because it's not really like, it's not hurting you, but it's just a weight and, and it's unnecessary. And so it's like, that's even like Paul saying that it's better for us to be single towards doing our purpose or doing what we're supposed to do for God. Uh, but if your loins are burning, of course you get married and don't sin, but it's, he's saying it's better to be single, but we're not going to be single all our life. You know, we want that partnership because we, you know, we want to be married. We want companionship. And of course, like when it comes to sexual relations, we want to do it God's way and not the wrong way. Uh, but technically, uh, this could, you know, looking at the word, it is a, it is a way, you know, uh, from keeping us from doing our relationship with God in a certain sense. Uh, and so I just feel like there's, there's certain things that, uh, that is, is, is a blind spot. And I do agree with David is that like, we had to we had to pray for that discernment. It's like, okay, God, what's keeping me from my next steps towards getting this? You know, and sometimes it can get like hard. It's like, okay, uh, sell your Xbox, sell your PS4 because it's taking too much time away from me. You know, like, ooh, I mean, it's just it's just a game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a game. Like, it's just you know normal pastime. Like, it doesn't really bother nobody. It don't bother me. It keeps me from you know, it keeps me, you know, distracted from doing something that I probably would do that, that would be bad. You know, it's like, it's keeping me at home. It's this or that, it's like giving all the excuses to keep the game, but it's like, you give up the game, your next steps will be revealed. And so it's like, ooh, am I going to be able to give this up? 
you know, and I feel like uh, the more you build a relationship with God, it, it, it can get, it, and I'm not saying that it will, but it can get to a point, like, depending on what his purpose is for you, it's like, if you really want your next steps, you got to give this up. Like, I think the key thing that, that needs to be highlighted out of all of that is prayer. Because mm-hmm. prayer, I will equivalent that to time with God. You know, it, it, time with God reveals a lot. Like talking to God, he he asks for that. He kind of begs us to spend time with him. Because even when, when Moses was experiencing tough time, David, they spent time with God. And yeah. God gave them ability to see things and overcome things and kind of just give them that message. Like, look, okay, this is your next step. It's just that time with him is so important. Yeah. And I love I love that because as Carlton has built this metaphor of personal training, that that prayer, that's that's your training right there. The prayer, the reading your Bible, the spending mm-hmm. time with God, the spending time in the spiritual gym. That's that's what the training feels like right there. That prayer, that's how you're gonna get that discernment. That prayer is how you're gonna talk to God and figure out how do I run this race? What weight should I take off? How fast should I be running? How slow should I be running? Who should I bring along with me? It's right. all about that prayer and that intentional time you spending in the gym. Like you ain't gonna get stronger if you ain't spending time in the gym. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I love that you brought that up, Jamal. Like, that that part tied it all together for me. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much like we kind of covered, you know, what what it in uh what it all meant. And one thing I did want to bring up too. Uh, is that um, the the last well, verse three? The, this amplifier just consider and meditate on Him who endured from sin to such bitter hostility against Himself. Consider all in comparison with your trials, so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. And I feel like uh, that's important. And I think that kind of speaks. It's speaking more than you know. It speaks to me, and I, I give a personal account. Like you know, I've been I've been frustrated with my job. You know, a lot of things that was was hitting me. Uh, as of late, but I realized it's because I haven't been where well, I wasn't at the time. Uh, and I may have talked about this last week, but I'm not sure. But I wasn't at the time uh, doing what I was doing in God at the time. Like I wasn't, I wasn't praying as much as I used to. I wasn't doing my dead affirmations. I wasn't learning scriptures as I usually learn scriptures. Like I wasn't doing those things, and so I wouldn't go into the gym. You know, like I wouldn't go to the spiritual gym. And so I was getting weaker and weaker and things that would, that would, you know, when more weight is put on the bar, when yeah. I tried to lift it, it was heavier. It's like, hold on, I used to be able to do this. What's going on? You know, and so, um, you know, and, and some of it is like, you know, you get uh, weary when, when trials hit or when, when things hit, you, you, you know, if you're not, in the gym or you know you're not focused on God sometimes you can go to like why why is this going on like this is terrible like I hate it here you know things like that and it's like okay well consider and meditate on Jesus who endured this 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 and that and compare it to what you're going through and it's like yeah yeah that's true like you know it's like wow this is what I'm going through is nothing compared to what Jesus did for me and so I, I wanted to, to to bring that up too 
But if anyone did anyone else say anything on, on this, uh, I mean, I want to touch on it because you talk about yeah. your job, and it just brings back a memory for me because I used to work at the bank, mm-hmm. and I had a manager, you know, that was just hard on me, like she just didn't want to see me succeed. And that, that, like, before I got the job, kind of rewind back, like, this lady emailed me and told me, like, look, God put it on my heart to get this job for you. I still have that email, most powerful thing in my life that ever happened. So I knew God preordained that position for me. He said, look, this is for you, whether seasonal or permanently. I have this for you. Right. I'm a in this position so when I got in the position beforehand I was praying like I was seeking God I was on the good path but I began to stray and mm-hmm. things got worse before they got better mm-hmm. so God just let me know out of that look I, w- I can bless you where you are you know don't prematurely do things out of my will I've given you the authority to take this full head on mm-hmm. own it take it you know endure because weep, what it says, re- weeping may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Right. No, that, that that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come the next day. <laughs> like, right. It won't literally come that next it's day. It's having it's, that faith. Right. It's coming. It's on the way. I have it for you. I've already given you the keys. You just have to unlock the door. So, man, just stay strong. Stay strong. I appreciate that. Yeah, bro, stay in the gym, man, you know. Like I know it's it sucks, it's hard, but like you know you know my situation, you know how disgruntled I've been. And the only thing that's kept me encouraged is like just staying in the gym, man, and just keeping my eye on the prize. Like like he said in Hebrews, like you just keep your eye on the prize, you just keep running your race. And I mean the door's gonna get open as you need them to, when you need them to. He ain't gonna put more on you than you can bear, man. Just get back in the gym, lift them weights, slang them weights, make sure you do your stretches. Don't <laughs> cardio. Right. <laughs> no, you gonna get back to it. I feel it. Nah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, okay, and so we'll keep going. We're gonna keep going. Um, the next piece is uh four through eleven and um I guess I can I can read this one. Uh this is the amplified version. You have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood and striving against and you are striving against sin. And you have forgotten the divine word of encouragement which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not make light of the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart and give up when you are corrected by him. For the Lord disciplines and corrects those whom he loves, and he punishes every son whom he receives and welcomes to his heart. You must submit to correction for the purpose of discipline. God is dealing with you as God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, if you are exempt from correction and without discipline, in which all of God's children share, then you are a legitimate children and not sons at all. Moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we had and we submitted and respected them for training us. Shall we not much more willingly submit to the Father of Spirits and live by learning from his discipline? For our earthly fathers disciplined us only for only a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. 
right standing with God in a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and purpose. So that, and it kind of just goes into what we had literally just talked about uh, and what, yeah, what y'all just said too is like, uh, you know, any good parent, coach, trainer, you know, when it, when it comes to whatever you're doing, whether you're on a sports team and you're in a personal training, you know, you do have a personal trainer, or, you know, uh, when they see you lacking, when you see something, they're going to, to get a, be a little bit hard on you, go and discipline you, like run some extra laps or whatever. But it's not because I hate you. It's like, I hate you, so go do this. But it's like, I, want, I know you can do better, or I love you. And this, you know, I want you to do a 180, or I want you to step in this direction, or I want you to be able to lift my weights, or I don't want you to lack, slack on, what you, on your training. You know, just anything like that will get disciplined to go in the right direction or to not slack or to whatever case may be, he corrects us. And so sometimes, you know, they say God allows. Um, he doesn't, I don't, I don't think he inflicts, but he allows. And so sometimes it is, excuse me, it is to correct us. And I know for me, I could be very stubborn. So sometimes, you know, a lot of things are allowed until it's like, okay, hold on. There's something more to this than just me just going through something. Let me, let me pray about it. Let me get in my word. You know, there's some, something, something is these is guys trying to tell me I'm not clearing my mind enough to hear him or whatever the case may be. And so <clears throat> I think this, this was good when it comes to like, when we are like training and, you know, we're like, we're in the spiritual gym and then something happens. We're like, what, well, what's going on? Like, you know, I, I know I've been working out. I know being here, but of course, like when you're training, you, you know, you're in a sense right here. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, right standing with God, a lifestyle, an attitude that sees conformity to God's will and purpose. And so the more we're trained by it, we know that, okay, there's, there's fruit coming from this. You know, we're reaping what we're sowing. If we're sowing good fruit, we're doing this. There's something that's coming from this. But if we're not trained by it, it's going to seem sad and painful until no, we were growing it. So uh, I definitely wanted to uh, touch on this part for sure. Uh, did anyone else get anything else from, from this section? Yeah, that just, that brings me to, um, what's this? Uh, Psalms, uh, it, it Psalms a hundred and something. I apologize. Uh, but David definitely speaks about saying how um, he was happy that he was afflicted, mm. you know, because with affliction comes a lesson, you know, we have to go through to come to is my saying. I always use this saying all the time. We have to go through to come to. I mean, because I mean, I can't name a person in the Bible that didn't go through something. But in the end, they received something so much more glorious than that pain. It's like, look, I want to show you this, to give you this, to prepare you for this. Because, I mean, a lot of time God doesn't bless us with that job we want. He doesn't bless us mm -hmm. with that career we're looking for because we're not ready. We're mistreated. We're abusing when we have that power. Now, I know y'all had managers and people of authority many times that you feel like they've abused their power. Like they're not ready for that. But when you ain't God, he'll prepare you for that situation. So right. through is just lessons for me. I, I've learned to just sit back and, okay, God, I'm a bask in this. This is only for a season anyway. 
So I'm going to learn something. I'm just going to go strong in the end. So you have to go through that. We have to. It's it's necessary. It's a necessary pain. Bro, you just said a mouthful again. Like, you just right. preaching today. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, man, like, there's not nobody in the Bible that really got something that didn't have to go through something. It's a give. Right. It's a take. My absolute biggest hero in the world right now is LeBron James, bro. Like, I love everything he's doing. I love how, how he's the best at what he does. I love all of it, right? But, like, you don't get to be to that point. You don't get to win that championship, bringing it back to the personal training. And now you don't get to do that without going through the pain. You don't get to do that without going through the discipline. You mm-hmm. don't get to do that without a trainer telling you and correcting you, like, I'm sure he didn't always want to go to the gym, but, like, he went anyway. And you see the benefits from that. And, like, man, man, like, I just got a personal testimony about this part because I was praying about two weeks ago. I was, like, me and me and my wife, Taylor, we sat down, and we was just, like, talking about faith. We were talking about faith because she getting ready to take the bar exam. I'm trying to find another job and trying to orchestrate a move back to Memphis. And like all of a sudden we start talking about faith. And I was like, my faith is strong 95% of the time. But that last 5% when stuff starts to hit the fan, mm-hmm. that's when, that's when my faith gets shaky. I can stay, I can keep my faith when stuff gets hard. I can keep my faith when stuff is good. I can keep my faith when things not going right. But once you, once it can reach that boiling point, that's when I lose my faith. And so I prayed to God. I said, yo, for real, I want you to make my faith so strong that when the boiling point comes, I won't, I won't lose my faith. I won't lose it. And so this, just this week, yesterday, that faith was tested and I almost lost it. But like, I came out on the other side a little bit stronger than when I was because like, I had been practicing, I had been praying for it, and I had been tested through it. Mm-hmm. Just reading through this, it aligns with my personal testimony, just trying to get to that next level. Man, look, just understand that uh, a trip is not a fall. Uh, so, I mean, we're all learning to walk right. I mean, nobody has it just down to a T, but just keep walking. Like you and and I man, I've I got several testimonies where man, I I just God, I knew God was gonna bless me in the end, but I just I, I blew it. I know I did. I I blew it, and I didn't keep a lid on it. And that's that's a cliche phrase, but I mean literally keep a lid on it, so God can just sustain that amount for you, and so you can just continue to walk. Just continue to walk right. That's all we have to do, man. Just continue to walk right. It's gonna, it's gonna work in our favor. Sure. Right. Yeah. All, all that was great. And so, I think we all can like kind of attest to it. But it's just like, like you said, like just keep walking in it. Uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, did anyone else say anything on these scriptures? So. We can go ahead and finish uh, 12 through 17, if not. Uh, Did anyone want to read it? Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. 
pursue peace with everyone and holiness without it. No one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and deep feeling many. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he saw it with tears because he didn't have any opportunity for repentance. So, uh, and we gonna we gonna we gonna cover that last part because uh, I I wanted to you know what y'all think about the Esau thing, but um, uh, what and one thing that 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 came to me is like you know when we make you know straight up paths or we narrow our paths, we set a certain goal. What does it mean for the leg, which is lame, to be put out of joint and into and what I don't I know your version said like I can't remember what your version just said dislocated, right? Um. But rather be healed, you know, not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So what, what exactly does that, well, I guess for y'all, like when y'all read that, what exactly does that mean for y'all? I would say like for me, it's like, okay, when we usually, like when we don't know God or we're not as strong in God or relationship's not as strong or walking our paths, uh, more times than not, we may stray, and in this sense, in this analogy, you're saying our leg we walk, that we're walking comes lame and comes out of joint, and we, you know, we, we stray or we stumble, or we just uh, be immobilized. You know, where it can be stuck where we are. You know, there's, there's certain things that that can happen when we're not as uh, when we don't. I guess like when our path isn't exactly straight and narrow. I, I, I'm assuming uh, that is saying, and so it's it's like when you, when you have a certain goal or like when you're walking with Jesus, you know, uh, when our leg is trying to, you know, uh, buckle and go out of place or in case it be, we could lean on Jesus as a crutch or we can lean on the word or we can lean, you know, on prayer or faith to, to, to kind of help us walk. Or, you know, if we do stumble and we're more and more strong in God, where we have a better relationship with him, we, we come up, and it didn't take us as long to walk back right. So it's like in this instance, like let's say we, we're talking about training still, we heard us. You go through physical therapy. You know, the first thing you go, you know, you go to it. You, you're hurting more, but the more that you you're in physical therapy, you you walk better, and that you end up running better. You know, it's just it's it's a so like it's a a, a, a building up process when it when it comes to this. Uh, but that's what I got from it. I got pretty much the pretty much the same thing. Is and my whole thing is just not straying too far out of the will of God. I mean, mm-hmm. even when um even when David did what he did, and we know how historical that was. You know, basically putting a man on the front line, right? You know, to have his wife, which was it still baffles me. I just I, I still can't imagine how you could do that, but. Even in that, even still in that, you know, he made sure he kept a string to God. You know, he didn't stray too far to the point where his relationship was broken. Because I believe you can get to a point where you just break. I mean, look at the Israelites. You know, they, some of them broke their relationship with God. And God was like, look, I got enough. I've had enough. Levites, pick up your sword, kill everybody, everything. You know, 
So I believe you, you, you can't stray too far to the point where recovery is impossible. As long as, as long as we stand in that walk, there's there's a recovery process that we can go through. So, yeah. I agree totally with what you said. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess, uh, you know, and with that, I guess it kind of answers the question because another question I had was like, how does narrowing, narrowing our paths or, you know, uh, narrowing our goals accomplish this task of like our leg not being put out of joint? Um, but you kind of just answered that, you know, in a sense is, you know, uh, not to stray too far. Because, you know, the more we stray, I mean, there, there are historical accounts in the Bible that it talks about those who stray too far, you know, and it's, and it's like, uh, and even now, well, now, even now that we have Jesus, Jesus died for our sins, every sin is equal uh, at the cross, at the foot of the cross, except there's like, there's one sin that's unforgivable. I think that's dealing with the Holy Spirit, like denouncing the Holy Spirit or something like that. But, um, but uh, every sin is like equal at the cross and and Jesus died for our sins for us to be forgiven instead. Like, I know we talked about the last time, like in the Old Testament, you had to, you know, be cleansed. You had to sacrifice. You had to, you know, there's a lot of things you had to do. Uh, and then, you know, Israelites, it just did so much. It was like, yeah. Like, and like God, like you said, like God, he, you know, the first few chapters of uh, Isaiah was talking about how God told him, like, yeah, like Israel did this, Judah did this, you know, and just all all the things that that they they upset God with and how upset He was, and so narrowing our paths helps us to not um, go through, I guess, the certain discipline because you know if we're if we're doing right, there may not be a reason to be disciplined, but you know the more that we you know stumble, it's like okay, let me bring you back to the path, son, you know, and so he he snaps his back in shape whether however painful or painless it is uh so yeah that's what i got from that so you did kind of answer that one um and then the other one the other the last part of it uh 14 through 18 um you know and, and i i read a little bit continually pursue peace for everyone in the sanctification without which no one will ever see the lord see to it that no one falls short of god's grace that no root of resentment springs up and cause trouble and by it many be defiled and see that no one is immoral goddess like Esau. Oh um, so I took this and it's like okay this is basically excuse me like accountability you know this is basically speaking up uh and like I feel like giving that that testament or that testimony or ministering you know like uh like we talked about earlier um so of course, continuing pursuit peace for everyone. I mean, we've read many scriptures where it says, as long as it comes, you know, when it stands with you, keep peace, you know, with those, with others, you know. And so of course, like this is a a, a common command to us. But uh, and it says that see that no one, you know, there's there's certain things that we should do for others. So it's like he's it's telling us like we should hold others accountable in a certain sense. So like if we're all, it's kind of like it's kind of like spotting. Like if we're if we're we're sticking with the the you know we're with the personal training uh, analogy, it's kind of like spotting your partner, you know, or spotting someone who's doing the program with you. You know, you see that they may be struggling a little bit. You just kind of help them, help whatever that that looks like, whether that 
give your own testimony on just say, hey man, you know, like everything's gonna be okay. Like, you know, just keep your faith, you know, pray. Like it's just a little bit, saying that little bit or just saying I love you or just praying for someone that's spotting them or helping them with that weight. And so that they can fully push because sometimes they, you know, they may get a little, we may, our faith will fade, you know, because we're all human, like our faith will fade. And there are different things that help us. And I feel like as long as it stands with us, we should help those that we're around. But of course, who are like in the same program as us, like, of course, those who are lost, those are different. I feel like there's different tasks we have to do. But those who are trying to build a relationship with God, uh, I feel like it's, it's a little difference in it, how we should, uh, I guess, um, react to their certain situations. But that's, that's what I got from it. Y'all, I have time for one more. Yep. Sure. Right. So the last one, so we can go ahead and cool, we'll finish it then, uh, is First Timothy 4, 8 through 16. And I can go ahead and read it. Um, five version, of course. For physical training is of some value, but godliness or spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. This is a faithful and trustworthy saying worthy of full acceptance and approval. It is for this that we labor and strive, often called to account because we have fixed our confident hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe in him, recognize him as the Son of God, and accept him as Savior and Lord. Keep commanding and teaching these things. Let no one look down on you because of your youth, but be an example and set a pattern for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in moral purity. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching the sound doctrine of God's word. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, that special endowment which was intentionally bestowed on you by the Holy Spirit through prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands on you at your ordination. Practice and work hard on these things. Be absorbed in them, completely occupied in your ministry so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching. Preserve, persevere in these things. Hold to them. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Um, and there was like a few things that kind of jumped out at me, but uh, I wanted to see, was there anything that like jumped out at you, at you guys when y'all was read or we read this or when y'all was reading it or when y'all just heard it now? And it can be summed up real quick. Be bold and crush. Bam. Mm -hmm. Drunk. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's true, man. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah, man. Practice practice what practice what you preach. And the the key word in that literally is practice. You know, continue to practice. Like I say, um, and focusing on our main topic, train. Continue to train and you know, try to try to do that in a live fashion. You know, even when you're dealing with people, uh, when you're experiencing something that's just a little overwhelming, continue to train what what the word has been what the word has been trying to tell you just mm -hmm. stay at it just non-stop so yeah i think this was like a a a, a bow on like the 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 training you know the the workout portion the training and discipline analogy is like you know for physical training there's some uh, some value but godliness spiritual training is a value in everything and in every way 
Um, and another thing is like, uh, this is the faith and trustworthy saying, whether they're full of substance and approval it is for this that we labor and strive. So is this that it is for this that we train? Like I was saying, uh, because we have fixed our confident hope on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe in him, recognize him as the Son of God and accept the Savior and Lord. And I don't remember if you guys remember me saying, but like the way that we're like this keeping analogy, the way that we're we we enlist in this program or join this 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 personal training is is what it says right here, like being Christian. As soon as we believe in Jesus Christ, we are put in this personal training program and this is why we continue to train. And uh uh and of course, we already talked about how, uh, you know, those who sometimes those who are who do become Christians, they can stop there. And it's like, no, like as soon as you put your confident hope and like you believe this, as soon as you especially and it says and I like how it says, um, especially of those who believe, you know, it's like, you know, you put your hope in the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe in him, you know, right us in the son of God and something that's the savior and Lord, like it's especially uh, required of us to do these things like we're we are expected god expects us to do this especially uh one thing uh i guess it's like uh with the youth thing uh you know when we hear your youth you know do we do we automatically think physical age or like you y'all think like it's a little bit more than that do y'all think it's more so like on a spiritual thing it's like you know just because like you're a new christian you know don't let those like speak down on you or is it you think that he's talking more so like physically um, i think it's spiritual youth right like i think it's you know where you are um in your faith walk like where you are in your journey with the lord i think is what i take from it as far as like you know spiritual youth not mm-hmm. like physical age i agree both of them both of them both of them i feel like timothy when he was talking in this passage was, right, he is yeah yeah, yeah he, was talk, he was talking about he was talking to literal young people, literal youth. Like, don't let your age be the thing that hang you up. But I think in the greater scheme of it, the greater message, we are talking about your spiritual youth, your spiritual maturity. Just because you're young in your faith, don't mean you can't do powerful things. It don't mean you right. can't be strong, and it don't mean you might not have more discernment than somebody else. You right. know, your age does not dictate your knowledge. I think that's important. And I think I think we can go because I see the word young. But then again, I would I would kind of say it doesn't matter where you are, no long as you long as you are striving, you know, and if you have a word for somebody that you believe that can be of an encouragement, mm-hmm. go ahead. You know, um right. there's nothing wrong with encouraging someone. I don't see a negative in that. I see nothing but positivity, as long as you're not like we've been discussing earlier, leading them astray, right. you can give them that word. You know, no matter where you are, help the, our whole objective. What I see out of this faith walk is it just first off, this life is not our own. We don't live honestly. We're in this fleshly being. We have a heart. We have a mind of our own. But this this isn't ours. Right. We're living for someone else. So we we should always practice. You know, encouraging other people, man. I'm, I'm gonna do this so this person can get here. And no matter what it is, we can always encourage and uplift somebody. No matter where we are, we have that ability. Yep, um, I totally agree. Uh, and one thing I did like kind of think about. So like, if it was like kind of like what what they were saying, you know, 
talking to young people. So if we are, if it is talking about young, young folks, you know, and so, you know, of course, growing up, you know, especially as a kid or, you know, as a teenager, it's like, depending on how you are or, you know, who, who you're around or the kitchen be, you may know, like, how you're supposed to live or, you know, you're like, okay, I know that my parents taught me this. I was in the church. They taught me this. But society ain't like this. So I'm going to be like my friends. I'm going to be cool. And I'm going to do this anyway. And so it's like, I mean, we've all done it. Or at least I, maybe y'all haven't because y'all sanctified me. I know I did. And so, you know, it's like for those who are under us, uh, and, th- and this could just be like to help, you know, help me or help everybody who may be listening or whatever case may be like, how can we influence, influence the younger, you know, who are younger than us to be more comfort, confident and comfortable living out of this world or, you know, as society does. And, but, doing these things, you know, uh, believing in the speech and conduct and love and faith and moral purity. Like how can we, how can we like influence those under us? Cause I know like one thing of course is like being an example, you know, uh, doing our Christian while doing what we can as far as, uh, as our lives. And so they're looking at us, you know, they're, they, they may try to be like us It's like, okay. Like, you know, they're walking, they're living this way. I'm saying that they're, they're being an example this way. Like, I want to be like that type deal. But, you know, is there any other ways that how we can help? And being relative, you know, mm-hmm. re- relating more. I, I believe, because I, I grew up Church of God in Christ my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and, and I've seen strict ruling in the church and laws being placed where the Bible never established uh, that certain law, like how to be this way, how to be one way that we can attract and just really bring forth to the youth is being relatable, you know, just letting them know, okay, now my my time was my time. These times are different. Yeah. So I have yeah. to relate to these. I have to understand you more to like to reel you in to what's the truth, like the word. Before you even bring the word, you have to bring kindness, you have to bring love. Before you even touch or dabble into a scripture you have to bring just that overwhelming like i'm here for you yeah at the first that's the I big feel, yeah i feel that man i feel all of that and i i feel like i see it on social media once a week young people leaving the church why are young people leaving the church why are young people leaving the church and i feel like we talked about it too yeah, we yeah. Talked about drinking from the rock you know what i mean i i too grew up church of god in Christ. And Church of God in Christ is almost the reason I left the faith completely. Because, like like you said, like they put rules in places that there shouldn't have been rules. And I think if you really want to get down to it and you really want to bring the youth back to the church, all you got to do is read the actual Bible. Since we started this Bible study, I've started reading my Bible for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I've just found so much stuff that directly tr- contradicts the doctrines from the different churches that I've been raised up. And and these things that I'm seeing are the very same thing that the church, the institution of the church, whether it's church of God in Christ, whether it's Baptist Mm -hmm. have used to persecute different people that has led so many people to feel like I shouldn't go to church because they just going to judge me. I shouldn't go to church because it's just political. 
I shouldn't go to church for this reason. They just want my money. Like, if we would take the time to actually read the Bible for ourselves, drink from the rock for ourselves, then we would be able to understand how to articulate certain things to the youth so that they wouldn't be turned away from the church because we just tell them to do it because I said so. Like, for example, I talked to you, Carlton, specifically about this, about how the Bible clearly, clearly, very clearly defines why you should say you sit for marriage. Mm-hmm. I was 24 years old before I read that scripture for myself. I was 24 years old before I found out that the Bible actually gives a reason. They don't just say don't do it because God said not to. Like, <laughs> we we could have, that conversation could have been had in a church so much earlier, and I feel like you would have saved a lot of people from leaving the church just with that one conversation. Think about how many other ones we can use just by reading the Bible in its entirety, reading the Bible in its context and relaying it accurately to people instead of just relaying on relying on doctrines that were established by other people who just wanted to judge you anyway. So I, I got a question for you guys, and it's for everybody. And just because I had a conversation with uh, my mom about this not too long ago. So I just wanted to ask y'all, how essential do you all feel the church is? Just because, of, I mean, I've seen several stories of how these pastors were taking the church's money and buying mansions and just misleading people in all sort of ways. So how would you all say the church is important, like we need the church. Do you all feel that way? I I definitely feel like we definitely need the church. And I feel like the church, some church, a lot of churches have strayed away from what the definition of church is. Uh, and it's somewhere in Acts, we may have talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it or no, I don't think we talked about it, but uh, I know I've, I've read it and I've, it's coming up actually, it's coming up, spiritual fellowship. But anyway, um we're gonna talk about that but it's definitely like that paul talked about like when it's not it's not paul i'm sorry luke wrote about the beginning of the church where you know uh the 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 people followed the disciples uh instructions and you know what jesus left them they followed them and they created a fellowship out of it and through that you know they uplift each other through prayer they weep with each other they 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 uh rejoice with each other uh when others were in need they were there for each other you know they again they pray with each other they ate with each other like that's what the church is supposed to be that accountability that we're lifting each other up in every way you know like so the church is you know a perfect world you know uh is is you know supposed to be more along those lines now of course because we are of this world or we're living in this world I'm sorry, we're not of this world we're born um, there are going to be churches that, that don't follow uh, or that is not perfect and, and that does you know keep keep people away and so that's why like sometimes like so technically possibly like this right here we're, we're like congregating and this is a fellowship we're, we're, we're being a church right now you know what I'm saying so it's like but I do an actual church the, you know, the, the, the building and the leadership and everything i do believe that that is important, especially for our society but it's just it has to be done right i but got a yeah i got a different opinion right mm-hmm. i think the church is absolutely i don't 
I think the building that houses the church is absolutely essential. I don't think church, the building of the church, as we have known it, as we have come to know it, is essential. The Bible never mentions an actual building called the church. We talk about kingdoms. We, the guy called Peter, his rock and a pun, his like a full You know, the Bible also says, for two or three are gathered together, there I will be. You know, that, what, what Carlton just said is true. What we're doing right now is church. This is church. And when you got a group of people congregating, it makes sense for you to have a physical building right. to house those people. Back in the Bible days, they would walk and stand outside in a crowd and just be yelling at each other, talking, and that was church. Or in each other's houses. Right, in each other's houses. And the conversations that were happening, the ministering that was happening, the relationships that were forming, the, all of that, all of that is absolutely essential. That is how we spread the word of Jesus Christ. That is how we touch other people's lives. That is ultimately how we do missionary work. That is how we get other people into the kingdom. So I think the church as a building is necessary because I don't want people standing outside and they heat for the cold part. Like the, the church as a doctrine, the church as a church of God in Christ, or the church as a Baptist church, I don't think that's essential at all. And I right. think that that religiosity is what gets in the way of real church happening. And it's, it's taken me to watching church from home and I watch about three or four different preachers every week and none of them I, I get something from all of them for me to realize like the church is not the physical building the church is the people inside it that's what the church is. Uh, so I guess I add my, uh, my two cents in I think um, definitely the church as you know fellowship between believers is absolutely necessary and essential. And then I also think the building, the traditional church, um, and I do mean that in the sense of the building where people are going and pastors are using money to build mansions and lead people astray, I think that's necessary as well. And I say that because if you've read or if you read the last eight books of the Bible, starting at James, going all the way to Revelation, um, you know, that's when we start getting the letters from the different um, different mm -hmm. apostles about uh, the different churches and mm -hmm. them doing just what you know Jamal was just talking about leading people astray, and that's absolutely necessary for the setup that uh, comes yeah. um, in the Revelation right, and right, talks right. about right, right. you know the coming of um, you know the uh, the Antichrist and coming of Jesus coming back to get his people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's necessary in the sense that it fulfills prophecy, but then also kind of like what David was talking about, it's necessary that church is. You know, fellowship among believers, you know, in smaller groups and things like that, uh, for us to actually, you know, press in and learn, um, you know, the word and get closer to the Lord. So I think both of them are necessary just because it's prophecy and it is what ultimately brings about the return. Yeah. So I think they're both necessary just, you know, from that standpoint of it. Yeah, I totally, totally, Man, totally went over with my... I totally forgot about it, and, and I just did a class on Revelation. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Man, that went over my head. You yeah. Yeah, I, John, <laughs> yeah. I, Wait, I can't hear you. Y'all talking at the same time? Wait, what's going on? I was ready to say forget it. I was like, yeah, it ain't essential at all, but you're right. Like, it's, it's, um, it feels the prophecy. So, yeah, yeah. There are different messages written, yeah, to, to the different yeah. churches. Talking about how 
one church allowed this and the church allowed this and how this was going on in this church and uh one of the churches was good spotless that's the church i want to go to i can't remember the name though but yeah i can't remember either <laughs> but out of all those books though right philadelphia. Like, all the way up to revelation i think it's philadelphia you said what philadelphia yeah i can't remember i'm not even gonna play like i can but um if you you know read those books of the bible right that's when it starts the letters about the churches yeah and yeah. warning people about the different churches and like you said there's only one church that was actually you know um worthy i hate to use the word worthy but one church that was actually you know kind it of doing work small, it was the smallest one though it was and so mm-hmm. the rest of, that's why i was saying like what david was saying is necessary as far as like the fellowship aspect because like we're having church right now basically yeah. um so i think you know both of them are necessary just in the sense that it it fulfills prophecy, but only one of them is necessary in the sense that it actually brings people closer to the Lord and, you know, gets people to um, have that relationship with God that, like, we're supposed to be having. But I think they're both necessary just because it's got to happen just because it's written and it's prophecy. what sets up bringing about the return. It's prophecy. Yeah. So. And, and to talk more about that, like, even, like, it even says in those letters and how, like, not it, it, it says how, like, not everyone in the churches is doing these things. It's like it's a, you know it's like there are those who are and those who are you can repent by doing this like you could change by doing it and if you don't this is the consequences like this is what you got to do to be better or to repent and if you don't these are the consequences and it's like and it says like not every one of y'all are doing this but because this is allowed like if you don't kick these people out or you know if you don't stop associating or whatever the case may be you know so it it's interesting too that that, that that's brought up so. And uh, and, and just to, I'm, I'm sorry, because no, 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 this, this is really good, yeah. This is really, really good to me. Because my whole life, I've struggled with denominations. Mm-hmm. That's really been just, even as a kid, you know, I always wondered, okay, we got Koji, you got Baptist, you know, you got all these full gospel, you got all these different things. Okay. Where in the picture, did God kind of designate or, or ordain for us to have these, these, because I, I feel like they're divisions. I just feel like they just divide us ultimately. So I just don't, where, just to ask you guys, where has, where has uh, uh, those, like, those divisions come into play? Like, those, those different denominations, like, why is that? Why do we, because then we all believe God, right? We all, be, most of us, I want to say, believe in the Trinity. Uh, in what, in what scripture or whatever did we come up with denominations? Because I just don't, I don't understand it. You know, why no, can't I mingle I, with these people? Why can't I mingle with these people? I actually learned this not in church, but in history class, in elementary school, no less. I learned this in elementary school. So the church has created all these denominations because somebody get the bright idea that they can do it a little bit better than the next denomination. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they break off and they like, I'm going to run my church this way and it's going to be called Baptist. I'm going to run my church this way and it's going to be called Methodist. I'm going to run my church this way and we're not going to have a denomination. We're just going to be full gospel. Everybody thinks they can do it a little bit better, do it a little bit different. So they break off and they do it their own way, period. Like that's, that's all it is. And church, I don't think there is a go ahead. Church of God in Christ. When I was growing up, used to talk bad about Baptists. Baptists yeah. talk bad about Church of God in Christ, and it's 
it literally just stemmed from I feel like I can do church better than you. Right. So I got my own denomination. We do it this way. Right. Yeah, I don't think there is like a, a scripture that, that talks about these denominations at all. And it could be like the messages could relate to the different denominations. But yeah, I don't think there. I think it's all like, like David said, like history made right. it that way. You know, like just throughout history with the division and then like people, you know, our, our human nature created the different denominations, you know, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, you know, like all that stuff is, is, is straight. And that's just a line that we put between each other because mm-hmm. like we used to have three o'clock services all the time and we would only go to other Kojic churches. So I'm like, why don't we go to a Baptist church? Why don't we visit these other churches and kind of experience how their fellowship is? And and I don't think God's pleased with that. I, just me personally, I just, I don't think he called for that division, that line to be between us. I just, I don't know. I don't agree with that, but hey, where we at? Yeah, that's why I feel like that's why more people are leaning towards non-denominational churches. Right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, with them, though, you just got to be careful. I think a lot of people are like, it's, it's the, the money aspect and then, like, how it's more motivational, like, speakers rather than, like... Exactly. Man, look, I'm, I'm, uh, this is my last... <laughs> this, is my yeah. last <laughs> this is my last thought, I promise, y'all. Yeah. So, so I went to a church, and my brother, my brother Moon, D'Angelo, he, brought, yeah. he invited he invited me and, you know I was excited walked in everything was cool and kosher like they made you feel welcome they made you feel good you mm-hmm. walking through the door I got in there everything was great I'm sorry I don't I don't agree with this but this is me y'all I walked I walked in and this guy the, the preacher walks up man he has on Gucci Everything when I say Gucci shirts, socks, pants, shoes, I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> this, this is, I mean, you you trying to you're feeding people, you mm-hmm. feeding people that are hungry, and and you come in, you present it like I I just so I just felt like it was a show almost. I just felt mm-hmm. like it it wasn't organic. See. I never had a problem with that though. I I never had a problem with you wearing what you wanted to wear. I never had a problem with the car you drove. I have a problem. My problem comes with preachers being afraid to preach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Preachers and, that, and yeah. preachers they either afraid to preach or their preaching is just them judging. I don't I don't come here for you to judge me or for you to judge the person sitting next to me, and I don't come here for you to be scared to preach. So you just a motivational speaker. I come here because I want to be fed the word and that that's just it. And so that that's been my hang up. Every time I find a preacher I like, every time I find a preacher that I'm good with that I feel like is feeding me, it's like some switch change. Maybe they get a sponsorship in the back room or something and then then they just be like, Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be real no more. I gotta cut off some of what I'm saying because I might lose Right. I don't, I don't want to be at a church that's afraid to lose the members. I want to be at a church that's genuine from beginning to end. I mean, I always had a, I always had a problem, like, as far as, like, if the, the pastor of the church I was at, like, was just kind of decked out, kind of like what was Jamal was saying, like, if you in there with the Gucci loafers, the Gucci suit, whatever, 
I had a problem with that just because I'm thinking, okay, so especially I'm looking to see, all right, is this your only profession? Like, is this the only thing you do? So Monday through Sunday, you, you, uh, you write your, or Monday through Saturday, you write your sermon, you kind of practice it. Maybe you lead a Bible study one day a week and, you know, you do your three church services on Sunday. I mean, if that's, if you're that pastor where this is your only profession, that's how you make your living. I mean, that's cool with me, but I don't think you should be, um, you know, wearing Gucci and stuff like that. And this is your only profession. And you have people who are literally like struggling um, to meet their basic necessities, basic needs, but yeah. they're faithfully putting their tithe and they're offering it to the collection plate every Sunday, but you got a Bentley and they say you were wearing Gucci and these people are struggling to pay the tithe. Because to me, that says that you're taking that tithe and offering and you're not putting it back into, you know, the kingdom, like the Bible calls it, which, you know, loosely in my interpretation, that would be the community, like helping people, helping, you know, those in need, like doing the work of, you know, the Lord. You're out here buying extravagant things. Like, I mean, you know, you can wear a suit and it could be a tailor suit, but I don't think you need a $5,000 suit. Like, who was that mega church pastor that was like taking up a special oh, offering man. at one time for a new private the, the, jet? The big like, light skinned dude, the uh, kind of chubby light skinned dude. They were asking him, Why? Yeah, I can't think of his name. This is Suze. He's like, Look, I sweat a lot. I'm like, What is that? I know. I don't even know. Right. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. It's, I'm yeah. like, um, You know, why, why, like, you know, that right there. I mean, you know, now if you got it like that because you, you got your speaking engagements, you go speak at other churches and they're paying you. You were in some books. You got some movies. Okay, cool. Because that's an extra, you know, job outside of your your normal obligation to the church, and you got it like that. But if you strictly living off the church, man, you just I always feel like you shouldn't be out here living better than you know your parishioners who are out here like scrimping to pay that tithe and that offering, trying to be faithful to what the, the what the Bible says every week. I just feel like you shouldn't. I, I just think it goes back to what you said too, David. It it definitely goes back to the word because that's what we ought to be there for. I agree. We are there for the word, but then I believe that kind of changed into intentions. Okay, say for instance, you speak an extravagant word. That's okay. You know, you you just you know you blow the roof off the place. But what what was your was your true intentions to really draw people? was your true intentions to really preach the word. And that's a lot of the problem with the churches. Nobody is there to authentically speak the word and really draw people to that word. So. I just think we yeah, get into a, a hairy situation where we like, where we're telling people how to spend their income. And the verse that keeps ringing through my mind yet again is everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So like, I feel like the pastor, even if that's his only source of income, that's his income, and he want to spend it on Gucci. So be it. Go for it. But you gotta, you gotta understand that 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 comes with a certain consequence. That means right. some of your, some of your um congregation gonna be looking at you like, dang, you wearing Gucci, but I'm over here wearing Dickies. Like, right. on, huh? I, I feel like we can't really police what they spend their money on. My, my problem, my only problem, has always been: Are you afraid to teach the real word, or are you? like just a motivational speaker. And right. one thing right. that I've seen happen as of late, and it happened with more than one preacher, is they get these church consultants who come in and tell them how they need to be running their church to make their church better. Okay, cool, that's great. I'm glad you're running your church better. You're trying to get your attendance up. But after that, after that, the switch happens where they stop preaching the way they used to. It's like the consultant comes in and tells them, you don't need to say certain things. And now they like, okay, well, I ain't going to do that, so I don't lose my memory. Well, 
Well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Because if you look at um, like a lot, all the big non-denominational churches, right? Like if you look at it and you can research this as we get out the call, all the big non-denominational churches now with at least, I want to say it's 5,000, maybe 10,000 members. Mm-hmm. All those belong to something called the Covenant. So the Covenant is a um, religious organization um, and it they come in, they have the consultant. So what they do is, you know, they say, if you ever notice, like some of the bigger non-denominational churches, like some Sundays, like the lead teaching pastor will preach. Then every so often there's Sundays where this person preaches, this person preaches and stuff like that. Those organizations come in, they dictate, you know, a preaching schedule. They also cap like everybody's salary based on what your title is in the church. They cap your salary. Um, you know, they ensure that so much of the tithe and authoring that comes in goes to you know, community work versus goes back into the church building fund versus goes back to this. And so the idea that, which I don't know where that is biblically, I've never been able to find it. And I've never seen a church address it in how it's, where it aligns biblically, but they come in, they do that for real, like what David is saying. Um, And they do that. It's meant to be kind of like regulating the church, I want to say, like to make sure we don't have that pastor who's the lead pastor of like, let's say a couple of churches I can name church of the highlands is part of it. Life church is part of it. Fellowship mm-hmm. Memphis is part of it. Like they come in and they, which David, you know about life church cause he used to be a member of that. So John yep. Seedling, his salary is capped at a certain level. So they, he can't get any more money than basically what it is because life church is a member of this organization. So they cap it. And so that's why, you know, John Seedling, you know, he talks about how it's a good thing because he was like, you know, I don't need to necessarily, I don't know if you've ever seen that sermon where you preach. He's like, I don't need to necessarily have a Bentley. He's like, you know, as long as I have a car that, you know, works. So, you know, they're a part of it. But they do come in. They do kind of regulate those things. So that way you don't end up with that pastor who has the Gucci on and preaching to all these people that can barely afford Dickies, like David said. But then that's when you see the church change. Like, I get it. You're regulating it. You're trying to make it better. But they something happens where they switch the pastor from a pastor to a motivational speaker. Every single time I've seen a consultant come through, it happened. Taylor and I used to go to a church in Knoxville, and all of a sudden, they switched, and then that's when Taylor learned about Covenant, which meant I learned about Covenant. They switched. So you knew about it then? Yeah. All of, their, all of their marketing material started looking different, all their graphics, their music, all of it, and then the message changed. And you just like, you, you, ain't, used to, you ain't used to preach like this, bro. Like, what's really going on? And so that, that's my beat. Like, I don't care what you wear. I don't care what you spend your money on. As long as now, you... Now, I've seen it. I'm not bad, because y'all. I was just going to say, like, I've I've seen it, like, um where it's changed some churches, right? Because there's a church here in Memphis that I used to go to called Fellowship Memphis. And when they joined it, there was definitely a, a change. And then the pastor that I mentioned earlier, Brian LaRitz, I mean, he stayed for a while, but then he left at a certain point, too. And then, you know, I've seen it change other churches, right? But, like, Life Church, you know, I would make the argument, the example of Life Church, John Seedling's, um you know, uh, preaching never changed when they joined it. Johnny's preaching never changed. Um, at least that's my my perception of it. I don't know, David, how do you feel about that? I feel like they were always closer to motivational speakers anyway. So, yeah, they didn't change. But, like... But Seedling, but Seedling always backed his, though, with the with scripture, though. Like, you, I can't ever remember a time where he got up there and he preached and he maybe mentioned one verse. His was always, like, grounded in scripture. He, like some of those he other people. Scripture, but it was always like the prosperity preaching. And that's what yeah. that's what tired me and Taylor out when we were going. It was like he just he just prosperity preaching. Every yeah. every three Sundays you telling me how I'm gonna win. No. Mm-hmm. 
it's the schedule. Now I know when I'm going to win every three weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And, and like I said, like there's a, there, there is a, uh, and I think it may be next week. We talked about the fellowship and we can maybe, uh, we could probably talk more about, yeah, I think that's next week. Yeah, we can talk more about like the different type of preaching styles and everything like prosperity preaching, like, like that's even like a a stereotype of Michael Todd. You know what I'm saying? Like they sometimes they say that he's a prosperity preacher. Sometimes he is. And sometimes he is. Yes, he, yes, he is. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't. Say also, he's also not afraid to get in your. He's not. He's right. not Cross the line. That's right. And that's the difference between him and some others. Like because he uh, he does he one thing I like he always says like. Don't go off my own understanding. Go in the word and read it for yourself. Like I love when he said it. It's like so he's not like just like listening to what I say. Like you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this. Here's the word. Read the word. Go look for yourself. Type deal. And like you said, like he he doesn't mind getting into your business. But the thing, and then I mentioned that room message. The thing I don't quite like. Well, I wouldn't say quite like. The thing that like just really with a lot of preaching styles is that. Uh, Christianity has gotten a lot like very womanized mm. you know and it's like it's always like protect yourself from this guy protect yourself from him like you know like you know don't don't fall for his trash you know blah 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 like instead of like I just, I just feel like and, and it's a book I was reading that spoke on this and, and, and I'm gonna make it quick because it's already been over an hour uh, how Christianity has gotten Womanized, and it started after either World War One or World War Two, when a lot of the men went to war, and like things had to continue, church had to continue, and more, most and more, the women were stepping up. And then just ever since then, Christianity has become a little bit more womanized from there. Uh, but you know, that's perception. You know, other people may not feel that way, but yeah. So it's uh, all I knew, so I can't say one way or the other. Yeah. So we, we you know, we, we can talk more about it. I can I can create more of a, a, a better argument with that. But Please. yes. A good very good conversation. I feel like we I should add this to the next post in the video. But um we can go ahead and wrap it up. Uh did anyone want to volunteer to pray us out? I feel like, you know, Dexter, you get, it's been a while. Think you need to go on. Okay. All right, got you. All right. Well, uh, everybody, um, turn off your cameras. That's how I like to do it because oh. I always pray. But this is how they always make me pray at the end of our Zoom meetings, <laughs> like at work. So I always wow. tell everybody, turn off your camera. Sit about your head, close your eyes. Okay. Cool. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as men and reflect and discuss your word, Lord. Lord, we pray that each of these men here will be blessed after attending this Bible study tonight. We pray that everybody will come back, uh, if not every week, but sometime in the future, Lord. Lord, we pray that they will get something out of this, that we will continue to uplift each other, and that they will take something away from this Bible study and use it to uplift another man, uh, another brother, another sister in the word, in their life, Lord. Lord, we know that each of us um, is in a different season of life, Lord. We know that David is in a season where he's trying to restructure things and look for a new job and relocate, Lord. We know Carlton is in a season of growth and continuing to press uh, closer to you, Lord. And, Lord, we know Jamal is in a season as well, Lord. And we just pray that you meet each of us where we are in our different seasons, Lord. 
Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. And again, we just thank you for every man on this, this Bible study tonight. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching Genuine Uplift. Please take the time to check out our other videos as well. We have podcasts available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. We have messages for the Bible studies that are already uploaded on YouTube with different playlists. And we also have a men's Bible study that is uploaded on our Genuine Uplift Facebook page. Please take the time to check out the videos, like, share, um, listen to the podcast if you have the time. Thank you for watching again.